Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Chauffeur Podcast coming to you from Atlanta, Georgia. I'm joined by CEO and founder Armir Harris and owner of the esteemed jazz club in Atlanta, Tamara Fuller. Welcome, guys. Thank you for having us, Mike. Hello. Um, the So we've got some new listeners and some old ones. Um, the Thank you for re- return listeners. Welcome to you new ones. Um, we're shuffling what we talk about slightly. Moving forward, we will provide listeners with information and insights that will help you. Um, as a tech company, we're focused on transportation. We are constantly thinking about events ranging from sports to music to travel while still thinking about current trends across the technology industry. Once a month, we will bring in a guest, that's you, Tamara, to talk about a passion topic, and then we will talk about what is going on in the technology industry, including some recent news from Chauffeur. So, Tamara Fuller from the Velvet Notes. Yay. <laughs> How you this, doing? This just seems like too much fun to be having in the middle of the day. Right. Yeah. Don't feel guilty. Okay. All right. I'll try not to. What's going on at your club? Hmm. Uh, well, we are just a couple of weeks away from our fifth year anniversary. And I'm very excited about that. You know, a lot of people might not have predicted that we would make it five years. This little jazz club sandwiched between a sub shop and a Brazilian wax salon (laughs) in the suburbs of Alpharetta, Georgia. But we're making it five years. Yay. (laughs) You are. (laughs) I've been to your your club many times. Great experience. It's so cool. You see live music. Mm -hmm. It's like right in front of you. You can see the sweat, you know, on their forehead. Yes, you can. And I think you use the right word, experience. I mean, there are always going to be people who know much more about jazz than I do or, um, you know, places that will get bigger acts, possibly. But what the Velvet Note is aiming for is an unparalleled jazz experience. We're we're grown-ups about this, so we don't... um, take things for granted and we put ourselves in the shoes of the person who's going out to experience jazz firsthand and we say you know what is it that we would want you know we'd want um, a great wine list we'd want exceptional food we'd want a comfortable chair underneath our tushy for two hours we would want um, to be able to meet the artist and have the experience of having a conversation with that person. Um, We'd want to have um, uh, uh, perhaps an opportunity to buy the CDs and get them autographed. We'd want free parking that doesn't require that we step over somebody or walk seven blocks in high heels. You You know, so what we've done at the Velvet Note is we've tried to anticipate what the ideal jazz experience would be and to provide it for people who want that. It's an awesome date night, man. That's awesome. That's awesome. I definitely want to check it out. Please do. How did you get started? <laughs> um, I uh, started having dreams after um, going into a venture, which I'm sure you can relate to. But this particular venture, um, I lost a lot of money. 
I was not successful. I was successful from the technical functional perspective, but financially, um, I was so unsuccessful that I became virtually inconsolable. And I started having dreams. And the content of the dreams um, eventually became the components of the Velvet Note. And it was so um, real that it was impossible for me to ignore how much comfort and solace I found in that dream. So I thought to myself, how can I get somebody to pay me to make that dream come true? And that's what the Velvet Note is today. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, I personally listen and pay careful attention to my dreams, right? I think they say a lot. Um, but given your background, uh, especially, what, what, what do you think dreams mean to us? <laughs> <laughs> I know we're going off on a tangent oh, no, here. No, I'm happy to do that. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's interesting. Uh, you know, I think that dreams are, uh, it's, it, it's almost like a, it's a sidebar conversation. I find, you know, I, I talk to people a lot, and I find that people talk, talk about things, just in the course of normal conversation, people talk about things that are unresolved for them. Oh, yeah. So if somebody really takes off with something, um, you know, I listen for what are they trying to work out cognitively, uh, intellectually, conceptually about that topic that, that's really captured their attention. And I think that our dreams are just another playground to work that out, but without another conversationalist. For me, it is. Yeah. And part of what was in your dream, because you've told me this story before, uh, I think a part of it was a, a night sky, right? Absolutely. And so when you go into Tamara's club, <laughs> the ceiling looks like one of those planetariums with the stars all over it. Awesome. So when you're sitting there in the club, listening to live jazz, you look up, and it's like you're under the stars. It is so cool. And I have, I, I, I have often thought that... Um, the, the daytime would be a great time to bring corporate events to the Velvet Note. The Velvet Note does corporate events, right? Absolutely. And so for uh, for business lunches, and you can provide live music for that? Yes. And your menu includes things like... <laughs> step back, step back. Well, well, well uh, you know, not to brag, but again, <laughs> we focus on the experience. So we want to have something that's above what you would typically find in a club, which might for most clubs be uh, hot wings and quesadillas. But for us, we focus on uh, southern seafood recipes. So our signature item is our jumbo lump crab cake, no filler, no gluten, served with a corn relish salad and a uh, remoulade. We also have so right incredible now. New Orleans-style shrimp and grits. The um, shrimp are served over these wonderful cheesy grits with a smoky paprika uh, added to it for incredible flavor. We have a wild-caught Scottish salmon. And I'm telling you, ours is always wild-caught, or we don't run it. And it's served over edamame rice with a Thai ginger sauce. 
We have an incredible lobster ravioli with a creamy gorgonzola sauce. I brought a brown bag lunch. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's going to taste so bad now. We just added a creme brulee cheesecake with a blackberry reduction sauce and plump, juicy blackberries. Okay, that's enough. (laughs) Wow. Man. So it's a menu that's designed to make you want to participate. Oh, man. Um, and Armir, so the connection here is that, so we, we know lots of uh, event planners. Correct. All right, Correct. we get calls from them every day to do things. I don't know, what are some things that event planners have use Chauffeur to do? Gosh, we've done so many events. Uh, right now we service over 100 cities. Uh, just this past weekend or two, we did, uh, we've done Coachella. We sent hundreds of buses <gasps> down oh, to Coachella. Hundreds of buses, about 600 buses uh, this particular weekend at Coachella. Um, we did the NCAA championships before that. We've done Super Bowl. We've done some of the largest events that you can think of in the past three years. We, we probably participated in them. Okay, so you transport people places. Yeah, yeah, we transport people places. So it's interesting. Uh, we focus on bus transportation and we take a technology first approach, but we don't own any buses at all. We realize that if we focus on aggregating bus companies and building a platform where it's easy and it's a streamlined process to reserve buses, um, we have done a lot better with. So right now we have about a thousand bus companies. We have over 1,000 bus companies signed up on our platform across the United States, including Hawaii and Alaska. And that totals up to over 5,000 buses nationwide. So if you want a bus anywhere in the United States 24-7, um, we can probably get you one or a few thousand. So you're dispatching buses for your clients? More or less, correct. Yeah. Our, our technology. Without actually owning the bus. Exactly. That's very smart. Yeah. Now, these, now, are you now going to answer my question that <laughs> I asked you 20 minutes ago? <laughs> What are all these handsome men out here doing with the headphones on? <laughs> what, what, what are they doing? Yeah, so uh, we process here. That's, uh, that's our reservation center. And we process anywhere between 800 to 1,500 calls a day where people from across the world call us and they want uh, to reserve buses in North America. So there, people are calling for a bus. Exactly. And these guys are answering. Exactly. Right. That's really Tamara, cool. we'll bring you a fan. <laughs> <laughs> Which no, one in particular are you are you asking? <laughs> I'm just saying that anytime you see um, a room full of uh, yeah, yeah, just looking guys. Say it. I, it, it's, 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 it's man a con- candy it's I think a maybe con- is what you're it's looking a cause for, for celebration right. and the fact that they're on headsets and they're talking and they're listening that's that's interesting to me and I want to know uh, what are they doing it's the listening <laughs> it's the listening yeah. that's what it was that's what she meant yeah we're bad at listening right <laughs> what? what what did you say <laughs> so <laughs> wow it's, it's it's a great visual yeah yeah you should have that on your website <laughs> now we will <laughs> all right now now i'm going to try to say the name of this artist that i saw okay. perform at your club all right and i'm gonna i'm gonna butcher it okay go no ahead. i'm not you say it no you go ahead fahir atagag okay um almost <laughs> <laughs> fahir atakaglu atakaglu okay it's okay. turkish right it is 
Turkey. So Fahir is um, one of, has was recently named one of the 100 most influential um, Turkish people ever, like in the history wow. of mankind. Wow. He's an incredible artist who grew up in a family that made textiles, fabrics, and he, at an early age, said, you know, uh, I don't want to do this. I want to study music. And he went on to uh, study in uh, London, and he, uh, he also studied in Turkey. And he then, early in his career, as soon as he got out of school, started composing uh, commercial jingles. There it is. And Gotta so pay the bills. Instead of being a broke musician, he became a very, <laughs> very financially stable musician. Right. And then he went on to uh, compose and perform. And he is extraordinarily meticulous. Um, but everybody wants to work with him and play with him. He is his music is just so beautiful. It's some of the most beautiful music I've ever heard. It, agreed. It was amazing. Yeah. He took he took what he, you know, jazz is an American export, is it not? Yes. It it, it originated here. Yes. Um, I think Ken Burns said that baseball, the jazz, and something else. He did some long documentary, <laughs> some ten part miniseries about originated right. in America, and jazz was one of those things. But here's a guy from outside of the U.S., um, Eastern Europe, that takes something and kind of takes it to the next level. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember going to a bar one night, some some blues bar in Alpharetta, and this there was a guy on stage who he was Stevie Ray Vaughan. His voice when he sang sounded like he had been chewing glass all day and chasing it with whiskey. And when he sang, it's like it just broke your heart. It was and he could play. He was so good. He was just this young kid. And after the set, we, we had to talk to him. He was just you know where where are you and. I couldn't believe what came out of his mouth. He had this thick Slavic accent, and he basically was like, you know, I'm from Transylvania, and I love, I, I love the Steve Ray Vaughan, and and that's not that's a terrible accent, but you know, he was it was that was shocking to me because the way he explained is that when the Berlin Wall fell, and it, there were just millions of people that lived behind the Iron Curtain for so long, and they were so hungry to consume American culture, and they had a lot of catching up to do. They had three decades of American culture to just absorb, and they consumed it. And then, and then they took it to the next level. They, they, they mutated it. You know, they made it even better than it was when they took it from the U.S. And so then here's this guy that I saw in your club mm-hmm. taking a, a, you know, bringing a foreigner's perspective to something that is an American thing. Yeah. So, and, and that's actually a segue. That was a segue right there. Not bad, huh? Very good. Yeah. I'm impressed. So where, here's where I'm going with this. Um... Armir has actually founded a scholarship. Correct. Um, and this is, so for those of you that are listening, you can go learn more about this uh, the scholarship at gogocharters.com forward slash scholarship. Um, and I'll, I'll set this up, but I'll let you take this. The um, This is your way of kind of throwing the rope back over the fence for other people born outside the United States to give them a leg up to chase the opportunities that they see that are unique to them. Exactly. Uh, This is the GoGo Charter Scholarship, and this is solely for immigrants and refugees. 
Um, I was born in Albania, and I moved to the United States when I was about nine or ten years old as a political refugee. And uh, I'm, I moved here on political asylum, and I experienced uh, firsthand the hardships that a lot of immigrants and refugees have to go through. Um, so I was one of the luckier ones. Um, I believe that for me it wasn't just hard work, but it was also being at the right place at the right time. Uh, so this is kind of my way of paying it forward. That's amazing. And you, because your family moved, you moved from Albania, mm-hmm. um, raised by a single mom. Correct, correct. And it was, and you've told me before that uh, even though she was just working her tail off mm-hmm. and and you were in a, I assume a public school system where English was not your first language, that still, it still felt like a land of opportunity. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so my mom was a professor. She was a literature professor back in Albania. And when we moved here, um, we were actually homeless for a while. We were homeless, and uh, it was really tough where we were back at, when we were back in Albania. We didn't go outside for nine months. The situation there was very dangerous. There was a terrible civil, civil war going on and a lot of political turmoil. And we came here with... Um, like a few hundred dollars in our pocket, right? And after a few weeks, we ran out of money. Uh, we thought that America was going to be this beautiful place where everyone was friendly and things were just uh, given to you and everyone was really nice. But that wasn't the case at all. We quickly realized that um, America is not an easy place and you have to work really hard and you have to find your way through everything the hard way. Um, so when we moved here, we, we were homeless for about a year and uh, it was difficult. But although we were homeless, I remember that we were really happy. We were really happy. We didn't have any money. We were really happy because our lives were no longer in danger and uh, we had freedom. And then I remember my mom, um, you know, she was working under the table three jobs and uh, we would go uh, with her, her during her third shift job. Uh, because it was, she didn't want to leave us at home. It was a little dangerous in the neighborhood that we were living in. And um, yeah, so I was with my mom. Uh, and she raised me and my sister. And then um, we were homeschooled, or actually no school for a few years. So there was a huge education uh, gap there. And then I was able uh, to to catch on, and um, we uh, we did pretty well in school. My sister ended up getting a full scholarship to Duke University, and I got a scholarship uh, to play tennis at Boston University. And, um, you know, my mom always instilled education in us. Education was very important, and I don't think I would be here where I am today without uh, the opportunity and uh, encouragement uh, of education that my mom gave us. So this is why this is important to me. Tamara, you know a thing or two about education. Well, I do. I do. My goodness. First of all, I'm so inspired by your story, well, and I'm you. so happy that you're doing something to help people to take advantage of the opportunities in education as that is so important um uh and kudos to your sister is she she's still at duke or how, how young or old no is she? she's uh she uh finished her residency now she's uh she's a pediatrician yeah yeah she's uh she's in texas she works uh at the uh, emergency room she works in emergency pediatrics oh wow yeah wow what a great story yeah it is, it is. it's a beautiful story it's, it's the american dream it yeah. is it is yeah. but part of that is recognizing the opportunities and i've i've know i know you well enough to know that 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 is one of your gifts is just seeing an opportunity mm-hmm. where others do not that's yeah. a that's a big gift and then to have the temerity and tenacity just go get it 
Yeah. That's a cool thing. And I don't think that, that those gifts know any borders. I would agree wholeheartedly. Um, and for you to have, for your mother to have had the vision to lead you and inspire you uh, to make it that way, mm-hmm. you know, um, I, uh, I'm sure she's very precious yeah. to you in yeah. your life. Yeah, she's very important. Very wise, very yeah. wise. The GoGo Charters Scholarship is offered to young immigrants, refugees, uh, and it gives them an opportunity to receive a $1,200 scholarship for school. Uh, we are excited to be offering the scholarship since this is a personal passion point, and we are thrilled to help others fulfill their American dream. Uh, the criteria for the scholarship is to be a refugee or immigrant. Uh, it must be a high school senior with a 3.4 GPA or higher. That right there would have ruled me out. Um, <laughs> Must be attending an accredited two or four year college university, uh, or a short essay about how the money will help you. Uh, deadline is July 5th. That's coming up here soon. But uh, you can just go onto that webpage, gogocharters.com forward slash scholarship, fill out the form, and, and in you go. Or at least you're, you're, you're submitted. Correct. That's awesome. Um, can, I, can I talk about Spotify and sure. what they're doing? So, uh, what, what music service do you guys use? None. You own a jazz club. I don't, what, what do you mean? There's nothing on your phone. So if I went on your phone right now, and I wanted to hear a specific song, mm-hmm. nothing? I can't even... I, I am a conscientious objector. Oh, here and, we go. <laughs> so, you know, you're probably not going to want to hear this, but I'm going to tell you. I think that... Um, I think that musicians have paid the price for the universal access that we have for almost no cost to anyone's music and I choose not to participate in that so at the velvet note when we are playing even on my own phone when we are playing music we're playing music we purchased there it is because that's not something that comes naturally to people well it comes naturally to me but it's not something that comes naturally to this, you know, to people now. Right. It's how things were. Right. You know. Right. When you had to have intention and purpose and, you know, maybe even save your money to buy uh, an album or a CD, even a CD that you wanted. Um, And one of the, you know, I've had many great mentors in life. I mean, I, you know, I've learned a lot through education and I've learned a lot through experience. But I've also learned a lot through people. And one of my greatest mentors uh, once told me, music isn't free. Don't ever let people fool themselves into believing that it is. Yep. So at the Velvet Note, we always charge people to get in. Unlike some other places. Right. Uh, We buy our music library. Um, you know, we even pay for the music of artists who perform in our place just because we understand and believe and um, ultimately believe that people will come to recognize the fact that music isn't free. And the fact that we now have a publicly, you know, traded trading situation on virtually few free music um, is not something that I celebrate. Right. 
right? And 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 a company like Spotify, which is a technology company, it's uh, it was founded by a 22-year-old computer programmer in Stockholm, Sweden, who was retired at age 22. And yeah, it's backed by the founder of Napster, also, right? Right. And so it's no surprise that once they, you know, when you build these technology platforms, mm -hmm. with that comes great responsibility. Which, you know, honestly, I don't know. I don't know that Spotify is known for really thinking of the musician first. To your point, Tamara, with with their platform. In fact, their actions have shown that they, you know, it's it's not their their first priority. Their first priority is the investors. That's why they're going public. Mm -hmm. um, but that's also one of the ways that they got so popular is that they had that ad free that ad system where you could listen to the music and you could just you wouldn't have to pay. You just have to listen to the commercial. Right. Um, but there's one piece of why I, I, why I personally, I feel like they have a shot at, at being fair to musicians and still making money and being a good purchase, honestly, if you're looking to buy the stock when they go public, if they go public. And that is that the labels actually got organized. I don't know if you knew this. And they lobbied with Congress so that there's, there's actually um, an organization called Sound Exchange, and that organization has been mandated by Congress to be the sole administrator of any streaming royalties that come to musicians. So Sound Exchange, uh, and the day they got that power from Congress, they went to, they went to Spotify and said, listen, you got to go through us now. You can't do this any other way. The only way you're going to get that music on your service that everybody wanted to listen to because it's really it's the content on your platform. It's not your platform. You got to go through us, and we want 50% of your revenue. You know, and Armir, you're a businessman. Well, you're a businesswoman. 50% is a lot. You know, it's a big take. And so that's the reason why Spotify they grossed two billion dollars last year, but they showed a net loss of 100 and 100, 100 and something million. So they actually went through and gave them 50%. Huh? They had no choice. It was either that or Spotify could no longer you know play Bruce Springsteen or Drake or J Lo. Hmm. You know, they, they leveraged them, you know, kind of like a, a, a really like a union, if you will, mm -hmm. you know. And so my argument would be and uh, was that Spotify, I, I, I think that it's an example of that they'll do the right thing because they have no choice. They have to. If they don't do the right thing and they don't pay out that 50 percent then they're not going to be able to, you know, they're not going to hold that music in there. And so it's, it's one of those things where it's it's it makes it a better it makes it a better service. So my son swears by it. My kid, my college age kid says that they have a deal where it's $5 a month as long as you're in school for the rest of your college career to use Spotify, and he loves it. So shout out to my brother David at True Blue Wealth for, for making me sound smart on that one for eight <laughs> minutes, you guys. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, so what else is going on? How much uh, to touch on the Spotify? The interesting thing is, um, although it's accessible, right, and it's uh, it's significantly lowered the cost of music. Um, I think people forget that um, the less musicians get paid, right? Uh, musicians have to make a living. I think uh, most musicians make music uh, not for the money. I think money's a byproduct, but at the same time, because they have to make a living, um, in the long run, we're not going to experience as great music. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to suffer. Ultimately, mm -hmm. the art suffers, doesn't it? Yeah, I think it's, I it's somewhat short-sighted. I wholeheartedly agree with you. Yeah. And the fact that, um, you know, a great artist has to figure out what other occupation to have, so it's just so they can someday buy a house or afford, you know, a new car, 
even though they're a great musician and people love their music, is tragic. One of my favorite quotes is from uh, John Adams. You guys, the founding father. Mm -hmm. um, he went over to Paris and they were asking him, like, why are you working so hard in this, this American Revolution thing? And he said, I guess this is kind of relevant to our, our refugee immigrant talk, isn't it? And John Adams famously said, he said, well, I, I study war so that my kids can then live in peace and study business and commerce mm -hmm. so that their kids can study music and poetry. Mm -hmm. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think different, uh, you know, all of us are on different points in that continuum as we go, you know? Yeah. That's deep. This is very deep talk for is this? two o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> yeah. I love it. As all this traffic is going by us here on Piedmont Road, what are they doing? They're not having this much I don't fun. know, I know but that. if they were looking in here, they'd want to know what we were doing. <laughs> Definitely. Right. They're tuning into the radio. They're trying to find show. <laughs> I know. They're like, what, what is that place? <laughs> and, um, well, guys, thanks again for being on our show. We'll be back in a few weeks with more tips on event planning, transportation, and technology. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Android, or other sites so you don't miss it. Thanks to Chauffeur for sponsoring this podcast. Thank you, Tamara Fuller. Uh, owner and proprietor of the Velvet Note in Alpharetta. Excellent, excellent live jazz venue. Great place to throw a private event. And please uh, use Think of Chauffeur when it's time to get your folks there. Chauffeur is the most trusted bus reservation service in North America. The company currently serves more than 100 cities nationwide and has logged more than 5 million miles with no accidents to help more than 1 million customers get from one point to another faster. Looking for your next transportation need to be fulfilled? Contact Chauffeur today at 1-800-436-8719. We'll see you soon, guys. We're out. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs>